Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. kind of stroika or some kind of paper or something and they would write their name on it and they'd stick it in a, in, a, in a jar and then they'd have the parcels of land that they had surveyed. They would have them in another and, and they would do it by lot. They would actually pull out a name and then they'd mix it up and pull out another one and these two would be married. This, this, this tribe would be given this specific land that those guys had surveyed. And why did God have to do that? Well, you know, casting lots is really safe because it removes the human element. It removes any favoritism. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. When the survey committee returned and reported, Joshua cast lots before the Lord at the tabernacle in Shiloh, the nation's new center. And Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according to their divisions. God instructed Joshua to use the casting of lots as a safe and fair way to divide the land. God shows no favoritism to anyone. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, for there is no partiality with God. And now, let's open our Bible to the book of Joshua, chapter 18, starting in verse 6, and follow along with Pastor Rob. The Israelites and David, they brought the ark of the Lord, and they set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. So whatever happened to the original tabernacle, maybe it was beat up, maybe it needed a new skin, don't really know, but whatever happened, David um, uh, had a tabernacle that he erected for the Ark of the Covenant, and he brings it in. And so we're looking at quite a long time here. And this, was, this is a significant part. If you're um, a student of the Bible, which I hope you are, you know, underline that Shiloh and, and, and underline that word in this first verse and, and underline the word tabernacle because this is the first time that it's set up permanently for nearly 400 years. Before that, remember, they were nomads and going throughout the desert. But going on in verse 2, it says, But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Because we know that two and a half tribes on the west side, Judah, Ephraim, and and the half tribe of Manasseh, they had already settled immediately. But now there were seven other tribes that had not received their inheritance. And notice what it says in verse 3. It says, Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, and notice he chides them. He gets on their case a little bit. He says, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Underline the word neglect, because it wasn't just you know, Joshua giving the orders and saying, You guys got to go now. The, 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 the idea is that Somehow they lost momentum after you know Judah and Ephraim and Manasseh. After they got settled, they just kind of stalled out. They just kind of stalled out. We don't know how much time it was, and 
And, and you know, Joshua is looking around and going, you know, I don't know how long it was, but let me just hypothetically say, you know, what are you guys doing? There's like three or four weeks now, and you guys are just sitting around the campfire. You got land to go in and possess. We got lots to draw. Why are you waiting? <laughs> and so human nature, isn't it? Can you see a lot of yourself in this? Have you ever had a victory? And then after the victory, what's the tendency to want to do? You want to kick back. You want to take the lid off the Coca-Cola bottle. And you want to sit back and sip in the shade. That's the tendency with us. Sometimes we get, we get confident. We, we have a victory and we kind of rest on our lees instead of going forward and pushing forward when we know we, there's still yet more yet to do. We get lazy. And that is possible for all of us. But the initiative and the obedience was evidently the individual tribe's responsibility at this point. And so their, their, their zeal just was lackluster at this point. So in verse 4, he says, Pick out from among you three men from each of the tribes, and I will send them. They shall arise and go through the land. Notice, survey it. You might want to underline that. Survey it according to their inheritance and come back to me. Survey the land, three from each tribe. So you got three tri- or three men from each tribe of those seven tribes. you got 21 guys. Now they're going to go out and they're going to look in the land. Remember, it was very similar to what Joshua or what Moses did with Caleb and Joshua and those 10 other men from each of the heads of the tribes. You know, go and search out the land, except this time I want you to go and survey the land. I want you to write it in a book. I want you to come back, and we, we need to know exactly what's happening. And Josephus tells us in Antiquities, for those of you who care about this stuff, it's 5.1.21. It's in the Antiquities of Josephus. He, he reports that Joshua sent uh, ge, uh, geometricians, geometricians, I think, the, the geometry buffs, guys who really knew math, and they understood maps, and they were very gifted in writing maps. And, and, and parceling out lands. These are the guys who would have the tripod with that little yellow box on top, you know, and they'd have the hard hat on, and they'd be looking and, and par- parceling out the land and saying, you know, and, and going through that whole thing. That's what these kind of guys were. They were very gifted in this kind of thing. And so in verse 5, so they divide, and they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory in the south, and we, we can already see that they have already taken their land. And the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory in the north. And as I said, whenever you see the house of Joseph in the scripture, it's referring to Ephraim and Manasseh. Because remember, Manasseh in Genesis 48, he's the firstborn, and then uh, Ephraim uh, is the second. And so you can, you can see that. So the house of Joseph is Ephraim and Manasseh. And it says, and they shall remain in their territory in the, on the north. And, and if you look at a map, you can see that that is the place that they inherited. Verse 6, he says, You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me that I may cast lots for you there before the Lord our God. And, you know, often what they would do is they would have perhaps two different containers and they would have the seven tribes maybe on, a, on some kind of... Uh, some kind of stroika or some kind of paper or something, and they would write their name on it, and they'd stick it in a, in, a, in a jar. And then they'd have the parcels of land that they had surveyed. They would have them in another, and, and they would do it by lot. They would actually pull out a name, and then they'd mix it up and pull out another one, and these two would be married. This, this, this tribe would be given this specific land that those guys had surveyed. 
And why did God have to do that? Well, you know, casting lots is really safe because it removes the human element. It removes any favoritism because, in fact, in Proverbs it says this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 18 says, Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. (laughs) Isn't that true? That's why in the football games, in the Super Bowl, we just saw, right? That's why they come out with a coin toss. Because the sun may be coming up in one part of the stadium, and who wants to be kicking into, who wants to be catching the ball when the sun is in their face? Who's going to make that call? That's favoritism. So they'll flip a coin and they'll call it in the air. And whoever it lands on, tough luck. That's what you got. That's what you get, right? That's like casting lots. Because no human is coming up and saying, they're going to kick off over here and you guys are going to receive it. Are you kidding me? We got a disadvantage. We got the sun right in our eyes. But now it removes contention, doesn't it? Now there's no lawsuits. It doesn't really hold up because you flip the coin. Of course, the coin has two heads on it, but that's beside the point. But anyway, but also in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, it says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. See, the Lord knew exactly what these tribes needed, just like he knows what we need. And I love that, because the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. God is in the process of what we would call impartial casting of lots. He's very much involved in all of that. It doesn't surprise him. And so it's very fair, and God has his way. He does. So going on in verse 7, he says, But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. So... The Levites who are responsible for the tabernacle, responsible for the sacrifices, responsible for rearing up and also taking down the tabernacle and all those duties, the, 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 the Gershomites, the Kohathites, and the Merarites, they all had their, their things, uh, vocations that they had to do in the service of the temple or the, or the tabernacle. So the Levites, that was their inheritance. They didn't get a land to inherit per se. Because the Lord is their inheritance. The sacrifices, parts of those sacrifices were given to them for their families to eat, for sustenance. And going on, he says, And Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose to go away, and Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go, walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went, and they passed through the land, and they wrote the survey in a book in seven parts by cities, and they came to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. So Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord, And there Joshua divided the land of the children of Israel according to their divisions. You know what's so wonderful is when when God does things, he does things decently and in order. And even with his people, Israel, he didn't just leave it up to chance. God was very specific. I mean, when you read through, you know, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, God basically gave them their government. He gave them the laws that they were to abide by. He gave them the rules and the regulations. They didn't have to make anything up. All they had to do is execute what he said and be obedient to what he said. And see, therein lies the secret. Obedience. How, how obedient are you to the word of God? How obedient am I to the word of God? You know, sometimes as we get older in the Lord, there can be little things that we, you know, certainly we don't do the big things. 
You know, maybe, maybe homosexuality is not a problem. Maybe you don't have a drinking problem. Maybe you don't have a, a drug problem. Maybe you don't have a problem with gossip. Maybe you don't have a problem with fornication or adultery. Maybe you don't have a problem with pornography. But maybe you like to steal a few things from the job. Maybe there's a few things that you're like, well, it's not, they're not going to miss a pen. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's a really great pen. I mean, it's really nice. I got three of them already. Oh, did I say it out loud? I'll just take another one. You know? And so, how obedient are you? Because the blessings are in the obedience. There are so many conditional promises in the Bible. God gave to Israel conditional promises. He also gave them unconditional promises. Those are the ones we like, where I don't do anything. God says it. I believe it. It's going to happen. Those are unconditional promises. But there's so many if-then statements in the Bible. They're everywhere. I would encourage you to circle those things as you read, especially in Deuteronomy. If you do this, then I will do this. Circle them, underline them. See that those things are conditional. Because God, there are certain things that he will do, and there are other things that he says, you have to do this, and then I will do this. But if you don't do that, then this is what's going to happen. And you can read Deuteronomy 27 and 28. There's a listing of blessings, and I think those are the chapters, blessings and cursings. So now we get into the land. So the land of Benjamin, hang on to your seats here because we're going to be doing a lot of reading and I'm going to be butchering a lot of pronunciations. <laughs> now the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families and the territory of their lot came out between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. And as we're reading this or as I'm reading it to you and maybe you're following along, every now and then just kind of glance up and look at the map and see where these are. Because it'll, it'll really encourage you to kind of get the idea geographically where you're at. He says, Their border on the north side began at the Jordan, and the border went up to the side of Jericho on the north, and went up through the mountains westward. It ended at the wilderness of Beth-Avon. The border went over there toward Luz, to the side of Luz, which is Bethel, southward, and the border descended to Ataroth-Adar, near the hill that lies on the south side of lower Beth-Haron. Verse 14, then the border extended around the west side to the south from the hill that lies before Beth-Horon southward, and it ended at Kirjath-Baal, which is, which is Kirjath-Jerim, a city of the children of Judah. This was the west side. And see, I love the specificity of this. He's very specific about these things. And see, that's the way God is. He doesn't leave anything up, up to chance. He, he's, he's very clear about where they are to be. Verse 15, the south side began at the end of Kirjath-Jerim, and the border extended on the west and went out to the spring of the waters of Naphtoah. Then the border came down to the end of the mountain that lies before the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is in the valley of Rephaim on the north. And this is in Jerusalem, right around the Temple Mount area and the Kidron Valley and in the surrounding areas. Descended to the valley of Hinnom to the side of the Jebusite city on the south, which we know that Jebusite city is who? What city is that Jebusite city? Jerusalem. Yeah, that's right. City of peace, Jerusalem. So it descended to the valley of Hinnom to the side of the Jebusite city on the south and descended to Enrogal because Jer, uh, Jerusalem is right on the border. Uh, it's, it's in Benjamin and just across the border is Judah. 
Verse 17, And it went around from the north, went out to En Shemesh, and extended toward Geliloth, which is before the ascent of Adumim, and descended to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. And then it passed along the, toward the north side of Arabah and went down to Arabah. Arabah is the salt sea, the dead sea. It's also called the Sea of Arabah. Okay? And that whole area just north of the Dead Sea, that is called the Arabah as well. It's a very dry, arid land. And um, if you go to Israel one of these times, you'll, you'll, you'll swim in the northern part of the Dead Sea, and you're, you're able to see the whole thing and see the whole... It's just really amazing. So, verse 18, and then it came to pass, then it uh, passed along, excuse me, along toward the north side of Arabah and went down to the Arabah. And the border passed along the north side of Beth Hogla. Then the border ended at the north bay at the Salt Sea, which we know is the Dead Sea today, at the south end of the Jordan. This was the southern boundary, and the Jordan was its border on the east side, and this was the inheritance of the children of Benjamin according to its boundaries all around, according to their families. Now the cities of the tribes of the children of Benjamin according to their families were Jericho, and I love this, he, he lists them, and uh, it's good again to take a look at these on the map, uh, look at the uh, Bible maps in the back and find one for the, um, that time of Israel's history. But those uh, towns were Jericho, Beth Hagla, Emek Kaziz, Beth Arabah, Zemaraim, Bethel, and then verse 23, Avim, Para, Ophrah, Shephar, Hayamoni, Ophni, and Geba, 12 cities with their villages, Gibeon, Ramah, Beroth, Mizpah, Shephira, Mozah, Rekim, Irpael, Terah Allah, Zela, Elef, Jabus, which is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kirjath, 14 cities with their villages. This was the inheritance of the children of Benjamin according to their families. And let's go on into verse, or chapter 19, excuse me, and it continues on with the, the lot of the, of the land in specific places, specific towns that belong to them. And I, and I like this too because it's like a land deed. You know, the, in the, in the, I believe it's in Leviticus. It says, the Lord says, the land is mine. The land is mine, and I give it to whom I will. And he gave it to the Jews. And yet, the Temple Mount, the Jebusite city, Jerusalem, is one of the most hotly contested, even today, pieces of real estate on the entire planet. It's unlike any other thing, because anything that goes on there, believe me, is a hotbed. Anything that goes on there. I remember in 2005, Kathy and I, went to Israel uh, with Pastor Jeff and some people from the church here, and Amir was our tour guide. He got us up onto the Temple Mount. And I'll never forget going up onto the Temple Mount and looking and standing there next to the Dome of the Rock and looking out the East Gate and just being mindful of all the things that have happened. This Jebusite city that David and his nephew conquered, Joab. And to think all the bloodshed on that little piece of land and to be standing up there and to know that, you know, first there was Solomon's temple and then Herod's temple destroyed. Now there's this Dome of the Rock, knowing what Ezekiel says about a coming temple in the millennium. And also in other passages that even before that, there's going to be a temple that the Antichrist is going to allow to be set up. And, and, to, and, to, and to fathom all of this 
And to know that Jesus is coming back. And right across the valley there in the Kidron Valley is the Mount of Olives. He's going to set foot on that. Zechariah tells us in chapter 14. He's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives and it's going to cleave in two. And the water's going to gush out from the threshold of that temple at that time. And it's going to go down into the Mediterranean on the west. And it's going to go down the, the Jordan or the, 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 the Judah, Judean foothills down to the Jordan Valley. And the Bible says in Ezekiel, I think it's 48, 47, 48 in those two chapters, that the Dead Sea is going to be made whole again. People are going to be fishing in the millennium. The Salt Sea, they're going to be fishing. They're going to be eating fish from the Dead Sea. It's going to be replenished. And just to think about that is just overwhelming. I sat there and I literally was shaking, considering all that had happened there and all that's going to happen. It's really quite the rush But notice verse 1 of chapter 19, it says, The second lot came out for Simeon. For the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families, and their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. They had in their inheritance Beersheba, or Sheba, Moladah, Hazar, Shual, Bela, Ezim, Eltalad, Bethel, or Bethuel, I'm sorry, Hormah, Ziklag. You remember David and Ziklag. This is the Ziklag. Beth, Markarboth. Hazar Susa, Beth Labaoth, and Sharuhen, 13 cities and their villages. Ain, Ramon, Ether, and Ashan, four cities and their villages. And all the villages that were all around these cities, as far as Baalath Be'er, Ramah of the south. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families. And the inheritance, verse 19, of the children of Simeon was included. Notice this. This is kind of odd because it's, a, it's one of the, uh, kind of an anomaly when you see it on a map because right in the center of Judah's inheritance, you've got this little block where Simeon is inside that. And he gives us the reason why here. He says, The inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. And why is that? It tells us. For the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. And I think if you look at that, you can see. You can see that the, the, the area of Judah was very expansive, very wide. And so the share of children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. Kind of neat. Verse 10, then the third lot came out to the children of Zebulun, according to their families, and the border of their inheritance was as far as Serid, and their border went toward the west to Merilah, went to Debesheth, and extended along the brook that is east of Jokneam. Then from Sered it went eastward toward the sunrise along the border of Chislah-Tabor, and went out toward Deberath, bypassing Jephia. And from there it passed along the east of Gath-Hefer toward Ephkazin and extended to Ramon, which borders on Nia. Then the border went around it on the north side of Hanathon, and it ended in the valley of Jiphath-El. Included were Ketath, Nahalal, Shimron, Idalah, and Bethlehem. We know that, right? Bethlehem, that's one that we recognize, <laughs> the city of bread. Twelve cities with their villages. Verse 16, this was the inheritance of the children of Zebulun according to their families. These cities with their villages. Again, I love how clear everything is. No one has a claim to this land like the children of Israel do. It doesn't belong to the Palestinians. 
It doesn't belong to their Arab neighbors. It doesn't belong to the United States. It doesn't belong to Great Britain, who had their finger in this whole thing in their times past. It doesn't belong to anyone except for God, and he gave it to them, and it's an everlasting thing. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.